treat that place as hallowed unto God. And that's what we've done in this place tonight. Of course, this is not my first time to ever preach in this auditorium. Uh, in 1984, I preached a youth convention here. I believe one of the greatest I uh, just about ever remember being in. I remember two or three nights that they was jam-packed all the way to the last row up there and they couldn't even get in the building the last night or two. And then I remember in the year 1975, I preached a convention here. And the last night I was here that year, it was a preaching spirit like nothing I have ever seen. In fact, the last night I was here, I was in this pulpit for three solid hours. It was that kind of a preaching, of course, I can tell tonight. By your response, I won't be here near that long. In three hours, we will have finished, gone home, all eaten, and been in bed by then. Unless you get a lot more than what you're doing now. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But I do thank God for His goodness and His blessings unto us. I'm glad to serve God. I'm glad to serve God. I'm glad for the privilege there is to serve God. Glory. Thank God for the privilege of being in the United States of America. Free country. Praise God. It doesn't mean a whole lot until you have been somewhere where you don't have that unique privilege. Some years ago I traveled behind the Iron Curtain in Russia and that is the most unique funny feeling in the world. The State Department told us that there's nothing we can do for you if you get in trouble. If anything happens to you, you're on your own. And all the power of the United States was of no avail to us. And I got in the city of Moscow, and I stayed directly across the street from the Kremlin. And uh, I decided I wanted to go somewhere one night. It's different. I tried to tell them where I wanted to go. I had an address of where I wanted to go. And the man that was driving the, the cab could not understand a Texan. It's hard enough for you Californians to understand a Texan, much less a Russian. And uh, somewhere in the middle of Moscow, he and I got lost. And he would turn around and in his way try to ask me, where was I going? Well, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And he couldn't understand what I was saying. And so I just sat in the back seat and would do like this. And he would turn around, and I assume he was uh, using language pretty vile. And he would beat on the back seat and rave, and he was a big, tall guy. That's the most eerie feeling in the world. Nobody in the world knew where I was except the good Lord at that particular time. And then we'll forget, finally, motion for him to stop. And I got out. It was in December. It was cold. Snow was many feet on the ground, and I saw the India Embassy. I don't know how I got in there, but I did. I got a door open, 
And I just walked in the middle of it and screamed as loud as I could. Can anybody here speak English? I got the attention of the whole country of India. Amen. For a moment. I'll tell you what. It's good to be in the United States of America and be able to worship God in a free country. And we Americans better never forget the beauty of what that flag means over in that corner. I thank God for the privilege of worshiping the Lord in a country, amen, of freedom. Praise God. Glory. Hey, I don't care whether you're Democratic, Republican, whether your man's in or out or never going to get in. Thank God for the United States of America. Amen. But above that, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the beauty of the church of the living God. I'm glad for the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If response is anything according to how many people you have to preach to tonight, amen, I've got a lot that needs what I've got to say tonight. Amen. But I promise you tonight, if you will be kind to me, uh, and will not prejudge me by, by how I preach tonight, whether you've ever heard me preach, and I, uh, I do get wound up sometimes. And they brought me a walking mic uh, where I would not be tied down. Uh, they have heard me before, undoubtedly. Uh, I get loud sometimes. I scream sometimes. I go into all kind of uh, acrobatic uh, acts and do all kind of weird things. But if I don't do any of them tonight, please don't judge me because I have a message to preach to this crowd tonight. And I do not know who or how many I'm going to preach to tonight, but I'm going to preach to somebody. I'm confident of that. I ask God sincerely in prayer this afternoon that if it was not His will for me to preach this, please do something. I meant, I didn't care what He did. Just don't let me get to the pulpit. Let Him shout. Let Him run the aisle. Let some preacher come up here and just get started and get so anointed he couldn't sit down. I, I, I prayed for everything that you can imagine. And uh, here I am. And uh, I feel that God is going to talk to somebody tonight. Please do not come to this part of the service with a preconceived idea of what God has to do. Please let's open our heart and let Him do what He wants to do. Oh, I got a tough time, a tough job ahead of me if y'all are all going to sit there and look at me. Amen. But I'll just pull off my glasses so I don't see very well. I can see this front row real good. Y'all look like y'all got what back home we call spizzerinctum, amen. So I expect y'all to get with it. And the rest of them out there, whatever they do, maybe we can't see. Amen. Uh, I, I honestly ask you again, please do not 
prejudge anything that I'm going to say tonight by whether I do it the way I usually do. And some of you said, hey, usually by this time in the pulpit, you're already wound up in high gear and going about 100 miles an hour. I don't know whether I'll get uh, in that uh, realm throughout tonight or not, but uh, give me till tomorrow night and I'll do my best. But I do feel a burden on my heart to preach to somebody tonight. Oh, I know that's, a, that's an old cliche statement. It's been said a million times and, and it's said so many times until sometime we respond to it and sometime we just ho-hum, uh, this is another uh, time, another service, no, no big deal. But it may be for somebody. Somebody may have walked in this building tonight and whether they make it another day or two living for God depends on whether I get through to them or not. I beg somebody who cares enough for that soul, whoever it is, to pull with me tonight. You may not need anything I'm going to say tonight. It may be that your spiritual condition is in such a beautiful shape, and I hope it is, that uh, nothing I'm going to say will bless you or... Uh, You're in need of it tonight, but somebody in the confines of this building walked into this building tonight. And God loves that individual enough that he chose to send a preacher with a message to this pulpit for somebody tonight. If God loved that individual enough, would you love that individual enough to pull with me while I preach that God would reach for that individual tonight? Would you stand in honor to the Holy Ghost? the Word of God as I endeavor to read tonight. I am going to endeavor to read quite a number of scriptures, and if you have your Bible, please uh, turn with me. Beginning in the Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter, and the 26th verse. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16 and 33. These things I have spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Philippians, the third chapter and the twelfth verse. Philippians 3 and 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. From the 13th verse of the third chapter of Philippians, I am only preaching tonight totally what I feel of the Holy Ghost. This is not a conference message, but this is heart preaching tonight because I've come here reaching for somebody or a bunch of somebodies. The 13th verse, But this one thing, and I want to talk tonight, name it whatever you want to, but I want to, call, I want to talk about reaching for the one thing that is missing among us. Reaching for the one thing that is missing among us. God, I ask you tonight, some way and somehow, transcend time and space and reach out and touch this preacher. Because I need you right now. And somebody in this crowd needs you, God. Let us find our perfect place in you tonight. And have your divine and perfect will. In the lovely and holy name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Follow me tonight. It may take me a long way to get to the point that I want to preach about. And I, a lot of times, am known as a pretty long-winded preacher. But I promise you, not tonight. I picked up today's paper and uh, I came into your city or into the city of Bakersfield last night trying to get alone with God because I wanted to hear from God pre-adventure that He would talk to me about somebody here tonight. And I picked up the paper and reading today's paper, there was an article, and you may have seen it, about a sinkhole in Florida. And again, they said it is, again, swallowing up the earth. I don't know whether you paid any attention to it or not, but about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit longer, in the southern part or in the central part around Orlando, in Florida, suddenly a bunch of people woke up one morning to find that the ground had just opened up and began to slowly swallow everything around it. They looked out their windows and suddenly they saw that the lawn furniture was disappearing. And before it was over with, this gigantic cave-in, it swallowed a Porsche car, it swallowed some other automobiles, and homes, and a lot of various things. The ground just opened up and they were gone. And somehow people looked at it with amazement, wondering that possibly the whole earth underneath could this happen too. And just slowly it gives away and finally it takes everything in its pathway. Scientists were called in and 
They told them what had happened. There had been a long, long drought in Florida. And because there had been nothing coming down to fill in the underneath of the earth, the water level kept going lower and lower and lower and lower until there was nothing to hold up the tremendous weight of the pressure that was put on the ground until not the surface problem, but a problem way deep down in the heart of the earth slowly began to give way until it began to buckle and cave in. They tell us that the words of the 80s and 90s are going to be words called stress and pressure. We are in a generation that has never seen the like like we're seeing in our day. Don't stick your head in the sand and don't, don't tune me out and don't, don't leave me with your mind right now and say, hey, Brother Spears, that's all right. I've got the Holy Ghost. Everything's all right and fine. Just hold on a while. We are in a very pressurized day. It has been said, according to Time magazine, that in the past 30 years, doctors and health officials have come to realize that stress is becoming the nation's number one problem. According to the American Academy of Family Physicians, two-thirds of all office visits to the doctor are prompted by stress-related problems. At the same time, the industry is becoming very alarmed because of what is happening in companies. Fifty to seventy-five billion dollars per year in America alone is being spent on stress-related problems. It is a major contribution to all of our heart problems, our cancer, our lung ailments, accidental injuries, even cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide, and this is only just the beginning. Now, the church is not exempt from the pressure and problem that the world is undergoing right now. Now, many people don't like to hear somebody say what I'm about to say, but receiving the Holy Ghost has not totally eliminated us from the pressure can of problems that we live in in our generation. If there is one thing that we need, it is more than just another I'll run an experience, just another hoop and holler. We need something to fill our innermost beings until we are completely filled up to sustain the pressure problems that are going to come in our generation. Glory. Well, not too many amens so far. The church is very vulnerable. We are very vulnerable. Now, when I make the statement of being filled up tonight, I'm not talking about being born again. So don't anybody run off and say, hey, he's, he's all washed up. But I'm just simply saying that Paul said there is one thing that I am pressuring myself to get. Everything else falls into a second category. 
But there is one thing that if I have to sacrifice everything that I am, everything I hope to be, just to obtain this one objective, I have got to have the peace of God in my heart more than anything else in all the world. I have to have it. I have to have it. Amen. Glory. Amen. I think the world is tired of it. And I'm sure tired of our plastic, our facade. We've walked into this auditorium tonight. I'm wearing a better suit than I deserve to wear. My shoes are new. The church just gave them to me. You came in tonight with your best on. Everybody's going to look at us and they're going to say, How you doing? And we're going to cover up. And we're going to come close to lying. Because the church, the place to come when you're hurting, has become the place to come and put on the facade and say, Hey, I'm doing all right. There's nothing wrong with me. But I'm preaching to some people tonight that are hurting on the inside, that are dying because something is missing on the inside here. And the world is caving in. We need to be filled again until something happens inside us. Hallelujah. I wish I could tell you that by receiving the Holy Ghost, all of your problems were eliminated. But it does not happen that way. There's a reason for the Holy Ghost. Hang on, I'll try to give it to you in just one simple statement after a while. I have been preaching long enough. So I know that we live in a generation now. I have sat down and heard the sobs of preachers. When they've said, Brother Spears, I can't take the pressure anymore. It's getting to me. I just don't know whether I can, can take it any longer or not. Come on, preacher. I know we don't want to admit it. We've come here with our facade on. We've come here with our plastic. We've come here. Saints of God have walked in this building saying, Hey, man, my hair is long. I'm talking about lady folks right now. My dress is right. The men said, Hey, we don't have this and we don't have that. So that makes us all right. But inside we're dying. Inside we're lonely. Inside we're mixed up. Inside we're trying to win a world to God. And we're so confused on the inside that until we are grasping and stumbling and falling ourselves when we need to say, Oh God, one thing I've got to have before this convention closes. Give me one more filling up. Fill me again. Not just tongue talking but fill me with something that's going to build up the reservoir something to sustain me in my hour of crisis I've got to have it I've got to have it hallelujah please brethren this is all I feel brother Haney amen hey when I look across this congregation tonight brother Davis Something tells me I'm not far off base because I've pastored for 10 years. I've watched them come in the office 
and say, well, just a minute, Pastor. You told me if I if I'd give up my television, if I'd give up the world, if I'd leave all of that alone, I'd find this happiness you were talking about. But I've come to church. I've paid my tithes. I've run the aisles when, when there was time to worship. But in here, I'm still having problems. I'm lonely. Jesus said, but there's something you're missing. There's one thing you're missing. Hallelujah. And He alone can give it. And it's the one ingredient if we're going to have worldwide revival. We've got to have something in us that's so strong that all the pressure of the world can cave on around us. But something inside is going to hold us up and we're not going to cave in to the pressure of the world. It's got to happen. It's the one thing we're missing. Hallelujah. Glory. I believe we have the doctrine. I'm sold on the oneness of God. I'm sold on the new birth. I'm sold on holiness. I'm sold on worship. I'm sold on that. I believe the Word of God. I believe in all of that. But it bothers me when I see more that's falling on the wayside than we're seemingly able to sustain and hold on. They pray through in our altars, but they don't last. Come on! They get the Holy Ghost, but they don't last. Somebody said they didn't get a good case of it. They did. But after a while, there's no refilling up. There's nothing to build up. And after a while, everything drains away. After a while, there's nothing inside. And the pressure begins to cave in. The pressure of the mind, the pressure of the job, home, family, everything. Until slowly, it begins to crumble on the inside. But Paul said, one thing. I'm going to push everything out of my mind. I'm going to push everything out of my way. I, I hadn't got it yet, but I'm going to get it. I hadn't obtained yet, but I'm going to find that. Hallelujah. I'm glad I can't see the expression on your face. Because I'm afraid some of you staring at me and said, Hey, you've lost your mind. I hadn't lost my mind. If you wasn't scared to pull the facade off of your heart, some of you would reach in your pocket and you'd get a handkerchief out and you'd start wiping the tears because pressure is building on you. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Preachers wise are ready to just throw in the towel. There are preachers sitting here that says, I can't take much more. What am I going to do? There are saints here tonight. Six months from now, tonight, if you don't get help, you're going to be out under in the world. And the sad thing about it is, it's not the world you want. It's something in here you hadn't found. It's something in here you hadn't found. But it is available. There is a place to get it. You're not going to get it in 30 seconds. You're not going to get it one night service. But if you'll make up in your mind this one thing, this one thing, this one thing, I'm going to have it. 
Come on, when are we going to get real? This is the place, if you're going to cry, this is the place to do it. I may only be preaching to one person, but I feel your heartbeat, whoever you are tonight. Glory. In the church, this is the place you're not supposed to show your weakness. You're not supposed to break down. It's all supposed to be hip, hip, hooray. But if the church is not the place where I can come when I'm hurting... If the church is not the place when I, where I can come when I'm stumbling, then it doesn't do me any good when I'm perfect. But the church is the place. It is the resource. It is the fountain. It is the joy. It is the hope. It is everything. It's here I come. It's here I ought to be able to say, I'm hurting. My God, does anybody care? I'm caving in. Does anybody care? And somebody will put their arms around me and say, yeah, I'm going to help you find it. I care for you. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I know it's rocky. I know it's caving in where you're standing. I know the river bank of the world has eating away around where you are. But hold on. The river will subside after a while. The river will go down after a while. Hold on. Don't throw in the towel. I've seen them crawl out the back door saying, I don't want to go to hell, but I can't take it anymore. There's something still missing. I didn't find it. I've talked in tongue. I got baptized in Jesus' name, but I hadn't found it. I'll tell you where it is. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It's the missing ingredient in the church, and we don't have it yet. Maybe I'll preach something tomorrow night that will bless the rest of you. But whoever you are that God sent me to preach to tonight, please listen to me. Please listen to me. I have not come here tonight with, with a thumbs down attitude. I've come here to tell you that we're out to win a world that's in, that's in all kind of problems. Brother Cantrell, if the church, if its own members cave in, what do we have to offer that world out there? Somewhere there's something missing. God, it's getting quiet. Maybe, maybe I should quit. But I can see some handkerchiefs beginning to dot some eyes out there. Why is it that you don't feel happy on your job? And yet you're going to try to win that man you're working next to. Come on, you're going to go out on that job or go to school and tell that boy or girl, 
You need to get rid of them cigarettes. You need to quit that carousing around. But they watch you when your pressure comes. They watch you when the storm blows. And they watch you when you start caving in. And they said, my God, I can't take nothing else. I don't smoke because I enjoy it. I smoke only because it calms me down. I don't drink because it's fun. I drink because it helps me to be sustained. They're being filled up with it. But Jesus said there's something better than that. And He said, I'm trying to make it available to the church. But the reason we don't sweep the world, we go to work on Monday morning and we look like we've lost our last friend. By the time Friday comes, we are no different from them. We're knocked down. We're beat down. We're oppressed. We're depressed. Everything you can imagine, it's not intended to be that way. There's something wrong when the church ends up on Friday exactly in the same cesspool of doubt and confusion that the world does. Jesus said, there is something I'm going to give you. There is something. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, but my peace I give unto you. There is one thing that if you will study, and I'm sure you have, because your state here has been either blessed or cursed more than any other state by the guys from India that land on your shores and gather your youth and gather the people of your state to follow after them. Thank God it takes about four years for it to get where I live. Amen. But anyway, you're used to it. But you have been confused like I have. How some dude from India can come over here and tell some little old girl, Hey, give up everything that you own. Get out there on the streets and start selling flowers. And they get out there and start selling flowers. Some other dude says, You, you do this. Sign over everything. And they sign it over. Now, now, come on, you know better than I do. All of those people out there are not dingbats that need to be in the mental institution. There's worlds of them out there got college degrees. Some of them have given up uh, lucrative practices uh, to walk and follow. There's one thing that they do. Every one of them does this. The first thing they do is they take away from them all the material possessions because they know as long as as an individual loves the material things he cannot be devoted to the cause that he needs to be devoted to one writer said love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the peace of the father of the love of the father cannot be in him Pentecostals, I'm not being derogatory tonight, but I'm telling you, we are too tied in to materialistic things of this world. And that's what we're holding on to. But that's the reason we're caving in. It's don't, it don't work in here. Cars don't satisfy this. Homes don't satisfy this. Material things don't satisfy this. There's only one thing that does that, and that's the peace of God. Nothing else satisfies the hunger inside. Nothing. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not fixing to take up an offering because I like things as well as you do. But come on, Pentecostals. None of us walked here tonight. There's nothing wrong with materialistic things of life. But our problem is, it is becoming our status symbol. It's becoming our life support means. And sometimes we judge the blessings of God by the kind of car a man drives. How fine his clothes is. But I come here to tell you, that's not really where it is. That's not the way you judge it. You judge it by if he's got a deep, subtle peace in his heart. A peace that passeth all understanding and passeth the whole world. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Isn't it strange? But when, when those gurus and get the people and they sell out everything and they give everything to them, I know it's only a short-lived, but they do find some kind of happiness. They, they say, hey... This is what I've been looking for. The pressure's gone. The trouble is gone. I'll stand on the street corner and sell flowers. I'll stand in the rain and sell flowers. Because why? I gave up everything. Because this man promised me something. Dear God, I'm preaching to the greatest blessed people in all the world. And yet we've got as much problems as the world has out there. There's something wrong when the church is weak and stumbling and staggering. And we're losing more than we're holding. And we're not holding them in the altar. And we're not holding them in the church. Hey, friend, it's getting quiet. I'm not here to tell you go home and sell everything out. But I'm telling you one thing. We better get our goal and our mind set on one thing. This one thing. Something has got to happen to me in here. Something has got to happen to me in here. Something has got to happen to me in here. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Somebody said, you're acting different than you have before. Yes, sir, because when I preached your convention a year ago, God spoke to me and I, I said it publicly. He said, go home and cancel every meeting you've got. Home. 
And I said, why God? And he said, I'll tell you. In August you're to preach something and in November you're to preach something. And for a year, that's it. And to make a long story short, it's been a year. But I'll tell you what, I've had some reevaluation somewhere in my life. I'm tired of going to services and preaching just whether you like it or not. I'm tired of just preaching and whether I get the response or not. And whether, well, man, do it this way and do it that way. When setting in our audience, we're dying. We're dying. We're dying. We're dying with our holiness. We're dying with the truth. Because in here, there's something missing. And we're caving in. And we're caving in. Brother Watts, I know you're not supposed to say this because I'll get criticized. But it bothers me when I get that one periodical from headquarters every, every two or three months. And I flip over in a certain place of it and it said, terminated. All of them didn't fall in sin. All of them didn't turn out to be drunkards. It just some of them couldn't take it anymore. And they said, I can't take it. And I can't live a hypocrite. Here it is. I'm through. And when I look at that Brother Cantrell, something says inside of me, A.D. Spear, don't ever forget it, son. Your name can be on that same paper because you can cave in. When I see saints that stagger out the door and they say, Pastor, I don't want to be lost, but I can't take it anymore. I've jumped when you said jump. I've run when you said run. I've paid my tithes when you said pay tithes. I've lived holy. I got rid of my television. I got rid of my jewelry. I got rid of the world. I don't have anything, but I'm still not happy. Something is missing. Yes, sir. Something is missing because the material things of this world don't satisfy the inside of the heart of man. And unless we Pentecostals Get back to the basics. And this one thing I desire. Nothing else means anything. Tired. Confused. Mixed up. I'm tired of seeing my wife and kids go home, stagger in their room, and say, Daddy, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I'm tired of seeing a wife after staying up all night long, Brother Davis. See the next morning her eyes bloodshot and swollen. Pressure, pressure, pressure. And I say, God, we're somewhere. Let us find that little something we're missing. It's not the truth. We've got the truth. I'm sold on water baptism in Jesus' name, necessity of the Holy Ghost. I'm sold on the holiness. I'm sold on all that God. You, you criticize me if you want to. But when I looked in this book 
and I took another look at myself, I found out the thing I was missing was real peace. It's all right. You don't have to identify with me. Go ahead and look in the mirror and smile in the morning and say, I got it all together. Lie to yourself. But when you start to kneel in that room tonight, wrestle with your conscience when it says, I'm not happy. There's still something I'm missing. Oh, go ahead, saint, wrestle with it. Go ahead, preacher, wrestle with it. But I'll tell you, somewhere it's to be had. Somewhere it's to be found. And you look at it, one preacher that's made up in his mind. Whatever it costs me, however I've got to get there, I've got to convince a world that Jesus is real. I've got to convince a world that He is the answer to all of their problems. And until He is an answer to my problem, I cannot convince them that He is an answer to their problem. The most outstanding thing about the life of Jesus Christ to me was this. He can meet disaster and walk away from it still with the same calmness on the inside. And he said, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that it's going to be available to you. I'm walking on thin ice right now when I say this. But come on, how many times have all of us put me number one at the top of the list if you want to have just said, if you'll just come get the Holy Ghost, that'll solve all of your problems. And two weeks later, they were in the office with the Holy Ghost and problems. Maybe none of y'all have had them to look at you and say, you told me all I'd have to do was give up the world and I've done it. But I'm still lonely in here. Maybe, and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too close to the part of making myself too vulnerable. But maybe God had to pull all the props out from around me. And let me be vulnerable to my own hurt. Until I got to see that the security of just saying you're in the church ain't the answer. Hold on, I'm not being critical, but it is sad 
when a guy from India can come to the state of California and in a few weeks and months time gather up more than the whole United Pentecostal Church can for a number of years. Oh, Brother Spears, it's because our standards are too rough. Baloney. They have to give up more to follow them dudes than what they do in the toughest church you got in California. Come on, they have to give up more. But I tell you what they promised them. They promised them peace. And that's what they call themselves. Children of peace. And the church staggers around and the man goes on his job and he talks about his old lady. Talks about us having problems at the house. Can't corral the kids. I'll tell you what, I'm so tired of that preacher of mine. Thank God, we had to go to church five nights this last week. Having a revival. I'm so tired of it. Hey, friend, all you're doing is telling that man and woman on the job, you don't have it. You've got a form of godliness, but that's all you've got. Hold on, Pentecostals. We've got our form of godliness, but the world is saying, don't give me any more form. Don't give me any of that. Give me peace. Give me peace. Give me something I can sleep with. Give me something I can lay down and wake up and feel right about. Give me something inside that's going to sustain me during my trouble and trial. And when everything caves in, I'll still stand. I'll still stand. My home will stand together. My family will stand together. My children won't turn out to be dope addicts. Come on. We've got too many divorces in Pentecost. We've got too many of our own children ended up dope addicts. Our problem is, peace is not in the home. It's not there. It's not to be found. We've given them a form. But, oh God, Paul said, this one thing I'm after. If somehow in this convention hall tonight, enough of us make up in our mind, we can change the world. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes somebody sold out to one purpose. And that is, I am going to have what Jesus Christ said I could have, the peace. Allow me just to hurry and go ahead and close. Maybe somebody heard me tonight. Maybe somebody took down the critical umbrella and said, Preacher, you preach to me. Or I wonder how many of us are going to put our coat on, straighten our tie, walk out there, buy a hot dog, get a Coke. How you doing, brother? <laughs> And your whole world is rocking. 
You walk back in here tomorrow night and they'll start church and they'll say, let's everybody love God. You'll raise your hands and you'll say a few words because that's the thing to do and everybody does it. And Brother Davis or Brother Payne, somebody come and we'll sing a song and we, we clap our hands and, and that's what you're supposed to do. And, and then uh, we're going to take an offering up and everybody's going to give and, and that's what you're supposed to do. And, and then after a while the preacher will be there and, 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 and you're supposed to you know, look like you're halfway interested. And every once in a while, wave your hand. And every once in a while, nod your head. That's what we're supposed to do. And all at the same time, on the inside of us, it's like a cancer eating away. It's like a cancer eating away. I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy. I can't find what I'm looking for. Where is it, preacher? Where is it, where is it, where is it? Maybe we need, somebody said it here tonight, we need to get out of the second chapter of the book of Acts. Maybe, brother, nations, it's the fourth chapter we're looking for. And they prayed until the place was shaken and they were all filled again. Filled again. If an early church that was a miracle church, if an early church that could pray a man out of prison, if an early church that could see thousands get it one day, if it was of a necessity, and they sold everything they had, and they still needed to be filled again, but whatever they got filled with, they turned the world upside down by whatever it was. I'll tell you what it was. When they looked at them, they saw the peace of God in the heart, and they were first called Christians at Antioch because when they looked at them, they didn't see them crumble like all other Christians or all other religious fanatics. They saw them stand. They saw them not buckle. They saw them not give in. And they said, hey, Christ still lives. He lives in the heart of somebody. And they called them Christians because they acted like Christ. Somebody said, oh preacher, they, they called them Christians in Antioch, and I don't, I saw somebody running, and that's fine, and don't think that I'm using that. Run again, hallelujah, beat what a lot of them have done, hallelujah. But somebody said, I'll tell you how they knew they were Christians in Antioch. They rolled on the floor, uh, and they just... And I'm not against you. Y'all know I've been here before. Amen. Hallelujah. You know I believe in you. You remember New York years ago at a youth camp. Hallelujah. Amen. My God. That wasn't how they knew they were Christians in Antioch. They saw the test come. They saw the drought come. They saw everything drain away. But when it was over with, they saw Christians that did not buckle by the storm. They did not bowl over. And they said, whoever they are, and whatever they are, they've got inside of them what he had inside of him. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth my peace I give unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I didn't tell you you couldn't run the aisle. 
I didn't tell you you couldn't jump and shout. I'm just saying that wasn't how they knew they were Christians at Antioch. They had to recognize something in them that they recognized in Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But when they saw in them what he was known for, and this is what he was known for, if the storm came up, he just walked out on the bow of the ship and said, it'll be all right, fellas. Don't don't get upset. It's not going to go down. Hallelujah. If he walked to the grave where his friend was, he wiped a few tears said, don't, don't get upset. He's fixing to come out of the grave. If they brought to him the lame, he said, don't get shook. It'll be all right. When everything else caved in, he didn't. Because inside of him, there was a force like a mighty river. And he said, it shall be in you like a well of water, like a river flowing from deep inside of you. It's going to flow out. It's going to flow. It's going to flow. When the river stops flowing, you're going to cave in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This one thing I reach for, it is available. It is available. Come on, you don't have to live the way you've been living. You don't have to stay beat down. You don't have to stay discouraged. You can take the trial and come out. You can take the pressure and not buckle in. You can take the turmoil and still stand like a rock of Gibraltar. You don't have to give in. He said, my peace, I'm going to give you. My peace, not like the world, but like I and only I can give. I'm going to give it to you. You may not get there tonight, but it is available. Some of you are going to wish you'd have found it in a few weeks. It'll get rough where you are. You better pray to be filled again. You better pray that before this year convention is over, we're filled again. If we can get the Pentecostals filled with the peace of God, we're going to shake our world. They're going to knock at our door and say, what is it you've got? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? We're trying to sell them peace and we don't have it ourselves. 
Throw the book at me if you want to, but I'm going to say it again. We're trying to preach them peace, and our whole world is crumbling among us. This one thing that we still like in the United Pentecostal Church is for everybody to be filled again with the same power, anointing, love, Holy Ghost, until it fills every crevice of our mind, until it fills every crevice of our heart, until our spirits are filled. And there's only one thing we want, and that's Him. The material things of the world mean nothing. Nothing, nothing of this world appeals to us. Only Him and His filling peace inside of our heart. And that's all. Would you stand, please? They turned their world upside down. With the most powerful ingredient available. They did it without any advertisement. They even did it with very few church houses. They had to do it a lot of times from a prison cell. But what was it? And I've got to quit. Give me just another minute. But what was it for a man inside a prison cell could convince the man on the outside of the prison cell that you need what I have? It was the peace of God. Woo, hallelujah. It was the peace of God. The commodity that's available, very few of us are reaching after it. But it's available to every man, every woman, every pastor, every pastor's wife, every teenager, everybody. It doesn't make any difference who you are, where you came from. The peace of God is available if you want it. I don't know. I don't know. Some writers have said that every few minutes they had to change the guard at the sale of the Apostle Paul. Ever how long? Ever four hours. Something from him flowed out, flowed under the door, through the door, whatever kind of door it was, and got a hold of that heart of that guard, and he'd look in there and see a prisoner at peace.
And he said, I don't know what it is you've got. Well, whatever it is, I'm going to lose my job over it. You know, I don't know what my wife and kids will do when I get to the house. You know, I may even die for this, sir. But whatever that is, you got is worth dying over. So, so I want that, Mr. Paul. I, I want that whatever that is. It was so powerful that in Caesar's household, in the most filthy household the world has ever known, my God, when it was filthier in the house of Caesar than it is on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, or all San Francisco, and somebody said, oh, when you get too much sin, you can't do anything. When you get enough peace of God in your heart, when the sin shall come in like a mighty flood, the Lord shall raise up a standard against the iniquity of sin. And that standard is the peace of God that's stronger than any river of sin in this world. And this book says, even, even in the household of Caesar, there were saints in Caesar's household. Hey, friend. When you and your husband or you and your wife both have the Holy Ghost and you can't even get along, you ain't got whatever they had in Caesar's household that when they walked down through the house, the rest of them said, hey, whatever that is, y'all have. We, we'd like to have it. Oh, I shouldn't close on a bad note like that, so I'll try to get off of it. Let me go back and say what I just said. Amen. But when you and your companion are at war and both of you claim the Holy Ghost and your neighbors know you're fighting like dogs. Well, I'll let you bail it out right now, brother. Hallelujah. And then we wonder why we're not winning the world. Then we wonder why the world's not beating a pathway to our door. They've got enough problems. They say, man, you've got to be crazy. You say, no, you come go to our church. Say, why do I, why do I want to go to your church? Well, uh, if you go to our church... Uh, you know, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this. We've got 42 things you can't do, and we've got one and a half that you can do. And this is what that man looks at you and thinks. I'm caving on the inside. And you tell me I've got to give up all that, but I've watched you cave in under some of the same problems I have. And I can't take any more. So, buddy, I, I appreciate it, but I, I'm, I'm going to try the church down the street. 
But if he could ever... Now hold on, all of you that got off the bandwagon because you thought I was throwing all the standards away and I, I noticed some of you got off the bandwagon. Will, wait a minute and you get right back up. But I'll tell you what he would do because I've seen him do it by the thousands. I've seen him lay down everything under the sun and give it all up if you could just convince them that they could have just a few minutes of peace and happiness in their heart. It's not what we can't do that's turning the world off. It's what we don't have. And we don't have enough peace of God in our heart for them to line up at our door and say, I want it. But Paul said... This one thing. I hadn't obtained it. But I'm after it. This one thing. I'm after. I wonder what would happen at your church. I wonder what would happen at the church I pastor. If only 50% of the people I pastor Really? Oh, come on. Don't y'all put your head in the sand and act like y'all got it better out here than we do back yonder. I'll say it again. If we only had 50% in the church I pastor, only 50%. If I could get 50%, Brother Davis, full of the peace of God, including their pastor. When a sinner walked through that building, he could, he could feel... He, he could feel it so strong that before we got through the song service, he'd be saying, well, what, what, I have seen it happen. And I'm not closing on a negative note. And I will say that the last day, hallelujah, we're going to see it again because there's some people, there's some Jesus-named Pentecostal believers who have made up in their mind it is available, hallelujah, and we're going to have it in our church. I'm going to have it in my life. I'm going to have it in my experience. And the world's going to be able to look at me and say, I feel peace like a river flowing from your heart. And that's what I want. Would you love the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Steve. You know why I believe we're getting closer to that moment of restoration in the church? It's been years. I've been raised here. My daddy was a preacher when I was born. 
we've heard some of the greatest preachers, orators, scriptorians that I know of in this district, in this movement. But it has only been in the last year or so that I can recall hearing men of God step to the pulpit and say, I'm lacking something. And I'm serious what I'm telling you right now. Because we've been programmed against that. We've been programmed to think with the concept that if we as a preacher ever say we're lacking something, that we are desecrating our call and our ministry. And I want to tell you what I've come to believe. That is a veneer. That is hypocrisy in the ministry. And I thank God for men like this man that was willing to just unburden his soul and his heart. We heard from God tonight. We didn't hear a preacher's ego. We heard a man of God that opened up his heart to us. If we're going to have restoration in the body of Christ, we're going to have to have honesty. Frankness. Candidness. Brother Spears, I agree with you. It's not popular. It's not popular in the UPC. It's not popular in the United Pentecost Church. That's what UPC means. But it doesn't matter if it's popular with man. God is digging in this church. God's getting ready to do something in this body. And He's going to bring to the forefront some honest, frank, anointed, conscientious men that are not on eagle trips. But they've come with a message to the church. And I'll just be honest with you. As this man of God preached tonight, I just went right along with him and examined myself. And I have went through some of the very things that he was talking about. And you have too, but you don't have to admit it. But I'm telling you, I have went through. And when the church is honest, we're going to all admit we've gone through those things. I'm so sick of these pedestals we put ourselves on. Like we're some great holy something. The only one that's holy is Jesus Christ. We're like Isaiah. We're wretched and undone. Woe is me! God's getting ready to do something in this church, but He will only do it when there's repentance and coming back to first love. And I cannot, I will not add one more thing. That was a message. I said, you heard something tonight. Wherever he is, I've heard Brother Spears preach until... Folks just run and went wild. and I mean, they were all on their feet 100% people. But you never preached a greater message than what you preached tonight. This is the kind of message needs preached at General Conference.
to every preacher's falling on their face and crying out to God, every saint, every preacher's wife, every preacher's kid. Praise God. Are you hungry for the Lord? Are you desirous of peace, inner peace? Come on, folks. I, I'd like to just close this, just getting as close as we can. Everybody step out from where you're at and just fill the front and fill the aisles and draw near to the Lord. We need that peace. If you're really hungry for it, step out and receive it tonight. Don't be ashamed of that inner desire and that longing. Come to God tonight. I'm coming, Jesus. I'm telling you, I want that inner peace that Brother Spears preached about. 